two ships, two ships go through in the exact same body of water. They go out in the sea. They're two ships, both sea-fearing vessels, two ships, both filled with people, both have a crew, both have a captain. One ship is a battleship, as you can see. The other ship is a cruise ship. One is a ship with great purpose. The other ship is one with great pleasure. One is about intensity, and the other is about relaxation. One is where everyone on board fills a role, and the other ship is about relaxation and where the crew fills the role. One involves discipline, and the other involves indulgence. Two ships, two very different purposes, two different expectations. If you think about it, churches are like that. Churches can be in the same community, filled with the same people, living in the same area, but yet have two different purposes. One can be much like a battleship. One can be more like a cruise ship. If you're like me, you want to know which one you're on because you have to prepare for that. For me, you want to know exactly what you're getting into, what you're signing up to. And so I hope that today we're able to, to answer that. Are we on a battleship or are we on a cruise ship? We'll turn to Luke 5, 1 through 11 this morning. Luke chapter 5, 1 through 11. I've been praying a lot over the past several weeks leading into this, um, this moment. God has shared this sermon with me, really has given me a vision for this church. And I believe that today, I hope that it come, becomes crystal clear for each one of you of who we are as a church and where God is taking us. And so this morning, I'm calling my sermon, Launch Out Into the Deep. Two ships, which one are we on? And so Luke 5, 1 through 11. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake, or the Sea of Galilee, as we know it. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone on uh, out of, one, of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. As he sat down and he taught the people from the boat... Now, I've been to the Sea of Galilee. I've been in a boat on the Sea of Galilee. What Jesus was doing, he was talking to the crowds, talking to the masses. Uh, if you know anything about acoustics and the way sound travel, what he did there was amplify his voice. He got out on the boat, and because the water, it echoed and went on out on this hillside at the Sea of Galilee as Jesus uh, taught, which he did that on occasion. And then in verse 4, And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, 
Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we told all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at at Jesus' knees and said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid, for now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So church, we are either a battleship or a cruise ship. Jesus said to Simon Peter and and those the followers there in the boats to go out, to put out into the deep and let down your nets. See, they had been fishing all night long, but they had not caught anything. Now, I've been fishing quite a lot, and I have been uh, where I had not caught anything. But when Jesus says, for you go out into the deep, you better go out into the deep. And that is exactly what Simon Peter did in verse 4. He launched out into the deep. You see, though, as we think about this, this image of these two ships, right? You have a cruise ship that's for luxury. And you have a battleship that's there for war. They're setting out into the deep. But see, when you think about fishing, there's things in the deep. The best fish are in the deep. But see, fear lurks in the deep water. You can't see your feet when you're in the deep water. You don't know exactly what's below you in the deep water. The unknown lives in the deep water. Boats are often unstable in the deep water. This is the same lake, the Sea of Galilee, that Jesus calmed the storm. They were in the deep water in the midst of a storm. Uh, Like I said, I've been on the Sea of Galilee because the rolling hills and mountains, it creates this wind tunnel that even when it was a crystal clear day, it was a beautiful day, I felt the wind rocking the boat out on the Sea of Galilee. In the deep water, it gets a little bit more turmoil, so to speak. But the biggest fish, the greatest reward, are oftentimes found in the deep. Church, I believe that God is calling us to go out into the deep. I think that we have spent way too long on the shore side, looking at the deep water, looking at other people even catching fish. And God is saying, it's time to go out into the deep water and to go fish. Now, are we talking about fish that we will eat? No. We're talking about going out into the world and to fish for men and women who need rescuing, who need Jesus Christ, who need to go and for us to stand in justice and to call out for justice where there is no justice. It is Martin Luther King weekend. As a man, a preacher, a doctor who stood out for justice for everywhere. 
And as we celebrate him tomorrow especially, may we think about how he heard the cry of the Father for those who are voiceless in our society, and he stood in the gap. Was it a popular gap to stand in? No, it wasn't. Was it deep water? You better believe it. But just like Amos talks about in the word that justice flows like a mighty river. That's not just some little creek that you can tiptoe in. That is something you have to jump into. And the river flows and it's deep. We as a church are called to get in to the deep. To get into the deep. And as I was preparing for this fast uh, that we're in as a church, we've been fasting going on we're only fasting for 21 days and so we're right in the middle of it um god gave me a word as i was reading through the book of nehemiah um and i was actually helping uh jordan uh who came and spoke and uh meditating on uh, some of the words and just encouraging to him and he spoke on nehemiah and something jumped out to me nehemiah cried over jerusalem he cried over and he saw vision. He saw what God wanted him to do, and that was to repair the wall. Now, I remember I was standing there in Jerusalem at the city of David, and I looked up and I saw this wall, and it was a very old wall, and I asked my tour guide, I said, what's, what's significant about that wall? And he said, well, that's the only wall that we have of Nehemiah that he rebuilt. And I was like, wow. And as I was studying the word that, particular day um, a couple weeks ago i read a verse many verses actually about as they were rebuilding the wall they had a sword on their side they had the sword on their side as they were building the wall they had the sword on their side and as we entered this fast i knew that god was saying listen you are going to be fasting and seeking me but you better have your sword on your side you better be ready because the enemy tends to attack when you're starting to rebuild things. And church, I believe that. I believe as we address the strongholds that has been in this city, in this area for so long, we have to be ready. And so I started praying right then and there for a hedge of protection around my family because I'm going to be honest, whenever, whenever Satan's coming after someone that is especially preaching the gospel week after week, you know who they go after? Their family. They go after their family. And I'm going to stand in the gap for my wife, for my kids, but I'm going to go after what God calls us to, just like Nehemiah. I'm going to have a sword by my side ready for the enemy when he attacks. But I am going to go after whatever he wants me to do. And as we go out into the deep as a church, do you have your sword ready? As we've, I've already kind of hinted at, <laughs> we're to be a battleship, guys. We're to be a battleship. If you read through the Word when it's describing the church and, and the way the church functions, you see all these things. It wasn't just about leisure. It wasn't just about sitting on the side of the shore and, and just you know, sitting around and you know, have little umbrella drinks and just ch chilling out. 
No, it was about going and waging war against Satan and the demons and the rulers and the powers of this day. Not fighting against flesh and blood like many in the church likes to do. And that's what Satan likes to do. He likes to trick and to steal our joy and cause us to fight between each other. Fight against flesh and blood. But no, he says this, to not fight against flesh and blood, but about these rulers and authorities. And then Paul says this in Ephesians 6, he says, put on the belt of truth. To put on the helmet of salvation, the sandals of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the Spirit. He is getting the church ready for battle. But see, I'm afraid that many in our church here, but also many in the church of Eden and around this world, isn't equipped for battle because you went on and jumped on the wrong ship. You thought that you were just coming and you were jumping on a cruise ship. Listen, you're on the wrong ship. You're on the wrong ship. And so it's time for us to come together and, and to evaluate as a church who we are and where are we going. It's time for us to come together and to go into the deep. Not alone. What you see in this passage is that Simon Peter brought his friends. He called for the other boat to come on over because the, the, the catch was so large, it started to sh- break the nets and started to shrink, the, to, uh, you know, cause them to sink. And, the, and so they had to call over the boats, and even the boats couldn't even contain it because Jesus was the one that was fishing. And it's Jesus that's going to lead us to where he wants us to fish. It's Jesus that's going to want us to build certain things and to rebuild and repair in the breaches just like he led Nehemiah. Jesus is the one that we're following. If we follow custom, we follow culture, we follow our preferences, we are following the wrong way. Jesus is the one that should be in our boat. Jesus should be the one that is our captain on that ship but we have to be in it together together god is planning for us as a whole church working together in eden now many of you think oh well that's that's for us this is for us i'm telling you that is so big much bigger than us it is so much bigger than dan river westland church you know what it includes trinity westland Eden First Westland. It goes across denominational lines. It includes Osborne Baptists. It includes Friendship Baptists, Fellowship Baptists. It includes Pentecostal churches. It includes um, black churches, white churches, Hispanic churches. It includes cowboy churches. I don't care if it's a church. (laughs) It includes that. If they're a church of Jesus Christ, it includes us all working together, going out into the deep. But see, Satan likes to interfere and put us at battle with one another. We're not at battle against Osborne Baptist Church. We're not at battle against the Pentecostal church down the road. No. They are us and we are them because we are all made up of one body. And we are on the same ship fishing together. And so my question to you is, are you ready to fish together? Because one 
we have to be ready. And we have to be ready to handle it. See, the reality is, is we can go out and we can fish to a world that desperately needs Jesus Christ. But the reality is, is we can go and proclaim it into all of Rockingham County and they all start responding to the gospel. And the reality is, is that this one church, this small uh, congregation here cannot fill the seats and contain the amount of fish that is going to be in our boat. We have to call over to our friends across the street and say, hey, you need to go fishing here. The fishing's good right here. Jesus is leading us here. Come and join in. Because it's not about the fish. It's not about our building. It's not about us as a, as a little C church here. It's about Jesus Christ reaching a world that is dying and going to hell if we don't respond. And so, are we going to launch out into the deep together? I hope that we begin to see that. Us working for the kingdom in our community together with other churches. The men, we started to do that. We, uh, we decided that we were going to partner with Osborne Baptist and we went and uh, attended their men's conference. That was a bold statement that we were declaring, hey, we're a part of the same kingdom of God. It doesn't matter if we're Baptist or Westland. Sure, there's some differences there, but guess what? The kingdom of God is so much bigger than our churches. And so we are going to partner together. And I, I'll partner with all kinds of churches. If they're going after Jesus Christ and they're following him, I, that's, that's what I'm about. I don't let our differences just hold us back. And I hope that we don't do that going forward. So it's time to leave the shore. It's time to get into the boat. It's time to determine if we are truly a cruise ship or are we a battleship. See, a battleship is equipped for different ways than a cruise ship. I've been on both. I've enjoyed the luxury of being on a cruise ship. Um, and it was fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, but it was for luxury. That was what it was designed for. It was for luxury. But I've also walked on the, the, the um, you know, boat in Wilmington. I can't remember the name of it. What? North Carolina. Yes. All right. That's easy. The USS North Carolina, is that what it's called? That's easy, right? Why didn't I remember that? But I've been on that ship in Wilmington and uh, enjoyed. I was actually pretty young whenever I walked on that, but... Um, we have seen uh, different ships and how they function. And I want to take you to a ship. It's one that I've not been uh, to, but it's one that I've read about. It's one that I have never uh, actually been to this state. It's in California. I want to take you to San Diego Harbor in California. A large ship sits there. It's named the Midway. The Midway was commissioned in 1945 as the largest ship in the world of a decade, for a decade. The first ship so large that it could not go through the Panama Canal. That's a very large ship. It was discommissioned in 1992 after 47 years of service. It was the largest serving carrier of the 20th century. It cost $90 million to build that in 1945. 
It consumed 260 gallons of fuel per mile. Boy, I'm glad I'm not the one that had to fill that tank. Whew. It weighed over 50,000 tons. And fast enough that a sailor could actually water ski behind it. That's a fast boat, a fast ship to move that fast. It housed a crew of 4,500, including 200 pilots, five doctors, three dentists, serving uh, 13,000 meals a day. A floating city, so to speak. With a series of neighborhoods, a radio station, a TV station, churches, bakers, butchers, cobblers, dry cleaners, you name it. They had it. But on this day, on April 30th, 1975, the Midway experienced one of their finest hours. One of the finest hours was leading the evacuation of Saigon. They called this operation, Operation Frequent Wind, rescuing 3,073 people in two days. The fall of Saigon uh, marked the end of one of the most controversial wars in U.S. history. But for the men on the midway that day, there was no controversy, only the desire to take on board as many people as possible, people desperate for rescue from despair and nearing death from their existence. It was an overcast, rainy day. The flight deck was filled with tension. The average age of the sailors on that ship was 19 years old. The mission was unparalleled, unprecedented, a, miscue, a, a rescue mission. They had a plan, but they knew there would be changes in the plan throughout the course of the operation. They knew it was up to them to fill, fulfill the mission when they were called upon. At first it went well, controlled chaos. The second day it was more chaotic as the first. The helicopters were full of refugees arriving on an already overcrowded flight deck. These kids, these 19-year-olds just out of high school were willing to do whatever it took. The orders were changing by the minute. To save as many refugees as possible was what they were told and what they were ordered to do in 30 hours. There are thrilling and unforgettable images that we can look at on the internet of what was going on during those heroic hours. When there was no longer room on the deck for incoming helicopters to land, they began to push the helicopters over the flight deck because what mattered most was not the cost of those helicopters, but what mattered most in the moment was rescuing people. Rescuing people mattered more than anything. Rescuing was their mission, no matter the sacrifice and no matter the cost. The legacy of Operation Frequent Wind is not about the material costs that as they discarded the helicopters that went into the deep and they were no longer to be found, or even the risk of the mission. The legacy is the men and women who made the rescue possible, the thousands of people who found new life and freedom because of it. They were willing to do whatever it took for the rescue. 
But yet if you go into San, San Diego Harbor on many days, there's a contrast. Because across the way you'll see other ships. One ship that I know docks there frequently is called Golden Princess. Doesn't sound like a very good uh, warship, so to speak. This ship was a cruise ship. The cruise ship it was capable of 2,636 crew members. It had three main dining rooms, 12 cafes, snack bars, and 24-hour room service, guest services ranging from nine spas, a fitness center, a grand casino, a sports deck, an art gallery, duty-free banquets, uh, shore excursions, teen and kids centers, four pools, movie theaters, show lounges, five bars and lounges, and lifeboats for 22 and two rescue boats. <laughs> the mission of the Golden Princess was to make people happy. And they did that well. See, the two ships that were in that same harbor had two very distinct and very different missions. Which mission matters the most? If lost people matter the most, then rescue matters the most. Church, what ship are we on? A cruise ship that's about just making people happy, which in reality, that's a lot of our churches in America especially that want to just make people happy for their existence. But what I've discovered is that most people that I believe end up on a cruise ship as a church, they do that whenever the preferences of the church member are greater than their passion for the gospel. And when that becomes a reality, the church starts to die. When making people happy becomes the focus of a church, that church begins to die. But whenever we focus on the mission of the gospel to rescue as many people as possible, we ditch the preferences so that we can reach people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we're a cruise ship, church, I'm getting off. That's not what I signed up for. That's not what God called me to. Wasn't to make people happy. Wasn't just to entertain preferences. To have war against flesh and blood. What God called me to many years ago is to pastor a church and churches to go after the gospel. Go after where Jesus had called us to go and to go fishing into the deep where it's dirty, where it's filthy, to go into the streets and present the gospel of love, the gospel of grace, and the gospel of truth to a church or to a, to a uh, world that is, is lonely, that is dying, that is heading towards despair and death, and to point them towards life. That is exactly what the Midway did. They were a battleship, but the goal was to rescue the goal was to go and rescue as many people as possible. And I think that is the goal of the church of Jesus Christ, is to go and rescue as many people as possible. On a battleship that is equipped with weapons, 
not weapons against flesh and blood, but weapons that will go and address the, the powers and the authorities of this world, this corrupt world, armed with the belt of truth, equipped with, with armor, with helmets, with a sword, and ready to wage war, not against each other, but against Satan and his demons and the rulers and powers of this dark world. So my heart for Dan River Westland Church is to be a place where if we did not exist, the community would know it. If we did not exist, then the community would miss us. May the community see us as a church that helps those who need help, who feeds people that are hungry, who clothes the naked, who helps those who are addicted and points them towards freedom in Jesus Christ. May the community see us, Dan River Westland Church and the church in Eden, and think of, man, those people don't have it all together. <laughs> I've said it before that this place isn't a place for perfect people. But we are people that have flaws, but we know the perfect sustainer of life. We know who came and lived a sinless life and died for us and rose from the dead so that we can all experience eternal life. May the community look and see us. And may we, they not see this church and think about how, man, this church was dying. But may they think, wow, Jesus is changing that church. By the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. May they see Dan River Westland as people that are called by His name. That humble themselves and pray and seek their face, that, that His face. And they turn from their wicked ways. And through the church of Jesus Christ now brings healing to this community. May they see... Eden and Dran River Westland and the church around this area and and they think man wasn't that the story of uh, Jesus about what nothing good comes from Nazareth but yet the story goes is that the savior of the world came from Nazareth may they see us and they think oh what bomb comes from Gilead the bomb of Jesus Christ that comes and gives a scythe to the blind and the blind see and the voiceless now have a voice to be heard and the, the mute can talk and the ones that could not hear can be restored again and there's healing in the bomb of Jesus Christ and may they find it in the church of Jesus Christ like here today. Matthew 4 verse 19 as I close says this, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Are you ready to become fishermen? Maybe you've come and you thought, well, I thought I was coming to get on a cruise ship. I'm sorry, you entered the wrong door. And I'm going to be honest, I don't have time to entertain those that think they're on a cruise ship. It's wartime, guys. It's wartime. We're on a battleship. And Jesus Christ is our captain. He go, where he goes, I go. Where he goes, you go. The world needs the gospel of Jesus Christ like no other. 
there are people out there that they are ready. They're ready for people to convey the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. Jesus says that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest is plentiful. There's plenty of fish out there in the deep. But I'm telling you what, there is a bunch of people on the coastline that needs to get their tails in the boat so that they can go out and go fishing for these people who are hungry to receive the word of the gospel, to hear the truth of the gospel, to hear the grace of Jesus Christ. Church, are you ready? Are you ready to rise up and to bring healing all over this world, all across the nations, all across this community, wherever we put our feet to bring healing and to go in the authority and power of Jesus Christ and take the name of Jesus with us everywhere we go. Guys, our church is called to be a battleship, not a cruise ship. And I'm ready to go. And I hope that you get on board, get off the coastline, and get on board and start taking the gospel into the streets. Go take the gospel into the darkest places of Eden. Go take the gospel into the clubs, the bars, the schools, the homes, wherever we go. And may our preferences be put aside for the gospel. Because I've seen God at work in this church alone. In 2019, we saw salvation after salvation. We saw people being set free from addiction. We saw people get involved in discipleship that might never have been involved in discipleship ever in their life, but they entered into discipleship. We saw 11 people get baptized uh, in this church alone. We have seen people set free, and I believe that God is still wanting to set people free in 2020. God isn't done with this church. God isn't done with this church. And so may we follow and be led by the name of Jesus. God, wherever you go, may we go. God, may you guide us into all the paths of the world that we need to share the gospel with. God, may we actually partner with you where you are already at work. Before we even existed, you were already there at work in the lives of, of the people in Eden, in North Carolina, in Virginia, into all the parts of the world. God, may we partner with you. God, may we leave behind the, the desires of a cruise ship. But God, may we get on board the battleship and set sail into the deep to catch as many people as possible and to be like the midway and rescue as many po uh, people as possible, throwing aside our preferences, pushing them into the depths of the sea, going after the people that need to know Jesus Christ. God, help us. God, may we be driven by your mighty name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, let's rise. Let's rise up and let's declare this great name of Jesus Christ. In 2020, 
what we should put our hope in, what we should put our focus in, is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. No other name is more powerful than the name of Jesus. So sing it out.